Hello, this is a prepaid call from Joe. Welcome to Doing Time with Joe. I'm your host, Joe Baker. And I'm your co-host, Anais Lucia. And today we're doing something a little bit different uh, than our usual episodes. Today we're actually, you know, we're getting we're getting some help from you, the listener. Uh, we're answering some of some questions that we've re- received. Um, so thank you for submitting them. So I guess we'll just start off with the first one uh, from Teresa. Okay. Hello, Joe and Anais. My name is Teresa, and I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, and I listen to your show on Anchor. I really appreciate your show. My brother, my, sorry, my brother is locked up in Tennessee, and I talk to him just about every day. He always complains about how the system is designed to make you fail. Whenever I tell him about you and your show, he thinks I'm lying. My question is, what did you rehabilitate your, I guess, about yourself? And where can my brother listen to your show? Keep up the good work. Thank you, Teresa, for listening and the question. So, Joe? How did I rehabilitate myself? Okay. Well, first thing, I stopped relying. <laughs> uh, don't get me twisted on this. I do believe that there are some good aspects of the system and what they can do to help you, especially if you don't have certain skills. Like if you don't know how to fill out resumes, do interviews, stuff like that, if you've never held a job, some of these programs that they offer here are good. Uh, vocational programs, they're good for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, uh, I'm not a big fan of them, and the reason why, I want to be clear, I support any kind of program that you believe or a person believes that can help you, but I want to be clear when I say the reason I'm not a big fan, and that's because um, you go through these vocational programs in here, and, but you don't get to actually apply them. You know, I could come in with a 10-year sentence and take HVAC, something like that, mm-hmm. and I can't even use the skills that I've learned until I get out. And by the time I get out, it may be uh, obsolete as far as the knowledge that I've learned and so on and so forth. So I think that the system should do more on that. But anyway, the, one of the biggest things that I did uh, as far as rehabilitating myself is that I started to focus more on uh, glorifying God as opposed to worrying about what other people in here think about me. Now, I'm not saying that it's something that I was able to do overnight because it was most assuredly not overnight. It took several years for me to get to that point to where I focused more on pleasing God than pleasing others. Um, and the, the, one of the next things that I did is um, I focused more on creating positive energy as opposed to negative energy. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in karma. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've come to understand it way better than most people. Uh, and that's what I did. Uh, I'll explain that in another episode one day as far as how karma goes. If, if anybody's interested in that, uh, especially if somebody sends me a question about it, I'll talk about it. But I, that's a long show. It'll take some time. Uh, but that's what I did. I focused more on about, you know, pleasing God and glorifying His name in every single thing that I do every day. And I focused more on about karma and creating positive energy as opposed to negative energy. And where can he listen to the show? And I don't know, uh, because depending on, you know, in Tennessee, uh, she said he was locked up in Tennessee, right? Yes. Okay, in Tennessee, uh, there are only, I think, if he's in the Tennessee Department of Corrections, uh, the, uh, the women's prisons are the only prisons that have a tablet. 
So he really wouldn't be able to listen to the show. But I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what you could do. I'll tell you what she could do, actually. And that is, um, like, when he calls her, she can uh, download the app and let him listen over the phone because I, I've had a few guys in here to do that. So mm. we tell her, you know, if she's listening or if she listens to them so she can do that, you know. So I hope that answers her question. And uh, if she's got any more, tell her to hit us up and we'll go from there. But, uh, what else you got for me, Annie? Awesome. So the next one is from Carolyn. Hello, Joe and Anais. My name is Carolyn. I'm from Tennessee. Oh, someone else from Tennessee. Awesome. And I listen to your <laughs> show on Spotify. I'm going to get straight to it. How does your family deal with the shame and guilt of what you did? Did the people in the community make you feel responsible for what they did? Or maybe, I guess, what you did? And if so, did they ever talk to you about it? Thank you, Carolyn, for your question. So she's asking how my family dealt with the guilt and shame of what I did. Yeah, and then if the people in the community uh, made you feel responsible. The people in the community. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Um, well, we did a show about that uh, uh, a little bit back. So if, if, she, if she goes on to the uh, podcast, she should be able to find that show where we talk about how it affected my family. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, she, she can get some good information off of that episode. Uh, but... I think that um, my family understood. I remember having a conversation with my grandmother. Let me put it like this. My grandmother, and she asked me one day, what more could she have done? You know, and I told her that, you know, she did everything that she was supposed to do. It wasn't her fault. Um, And I think that no matter what you tell some of your family members, they're still going to blame themselves. I think that um, uh, when it comes to my family, they... how they dealt with it they asked me you know what more could they have done they wanted to make sure that they had done everything that they uh, possibly could to help me succeed in life and they did i just uh, i gave in to that street ideology i i didn't listen like i should have but uh they talked to me about it they were honest about how they felt and i think that's the main thing i think that's how they dealt with it uh, they talked to me about it, and uh, I, I was honest with them about it. They did what they were supposed to do. It wasn't on my family. It was on me. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the community, uh, that's interesting because me and my son, we had an issue once. Uh, this was in our backsliding days. Let me put that out there. You know? uh, we were at this other facility together, and we had a cell phone. And, and uh, he was in touch with some people in uh, Springfield, where we're from. Mm-hmm. And one of the people on Facebook said something about, you know, we're just a family full of criminals and all this and that and blah, blah, blah. And that just kind of threw both of us off. It, it, it hurt me to hear somebody say that they thought that, you know, we were just a family full of criminals because we got a lot of people in our family that are very successful, never been involved in the criminal lifestyle. It's just a few of us, you know, mm-hmm. that did these stupid things, right? Mm-hmm. And... Um, as far as the community, yeah, we, we, you know, other than her, I didn't hear much about people in the community uh, holding my family responsible for what uh, we did and, oh. and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, no, I didn't, I didn't hear a lot about that. So uh, we didn't have to deal with that a lot. But I do know some people that have had to deal with that. And uh, it's a sad thing because, uh, you know, the family members most of the time don't have anything to do with what, uh, the individual that commits the crime and ends up coming to prison 
does nothing, you know. But people do blame the mothers mainly. But what you do wrong, and this isn't that most family members didn't do anything wrong. It's just that we decided to do something stupid. So uh, I hope that answers your question. And uh, what's your next one, Anise? Right. Hello, Joe and Anais. My name is Brandon. My brother is locked up in Wisconsin. I listen to your show on Spotify. My brother recently told me that two officers at the prison are mistreating him. They are verbally and physically abusive to him. Have you ever experienced that? And if so, what did you do about it? Keep up the good work. I love your show. Oh, thank you, Brandon, and thank you for your question. <laughs> big that, big that. Uh, yes, I have dealt with that. Um, I remember once I was in this prison in East Tennessee, and um, I was being slick. I had done some things. I had, you know, I had no business doing, but I was doing that back in that day, in the day. Um, and I had some officers that had just gotten tired of not being able to catch me doing what I was doing. So one night, you know, we get locked down in, in, in Tennessee anyway. We get locked down about. Uh, 8.30, 9.30, something like that, right? Quarter to 10, you have to be in the cell. And mm-hmm. that's that on that, you know. Uh, depending on the time zone that you're in, that could be 8.30, 8.45, 9.45, whatever. So anyway, I think up in East Tennessee, uh, it would be 9.45 like that. But I'm not 100% sure about that. But anyway, at 10 o'clock, uh, it was like 10 officers came to the door. They knocked on the door. Oh, 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 Baker, get up. And I'm like, looking out the door and I'm like, uh-uh, I ain't coming out there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because let me see, let me put it out there like this. Like in East Tennessee, it's, it's predominantly white, okay? A mm-hmm. uh, lot of good people, but you do have those, you know what I'm saying, they believe in that, you know, that white supremacy stuff, okay? Mm-hmm. But not as many as you would think. But anyway, they called me to the door. They told me to step out. So when I stepped out of the door, basically, stood in front of the window so certain people wouldn't be able to see what they were getting ready to do to me. So they surrounded me, you know, and then when they surrounded me, they started to close the circle in on me. So, like, if I was to turn or move anything, that I would touch them. And if you touch an officer for any reason, it's assault, right? Mm-hmm. And then they can do whatever they want to do to you. So I'm, I, I peep what they're doing. So I, I freeze up. And I'm like, look, man, I don't know what y'all can be asking for, but... You know, I don't want no smoke, you know what I mean? Whatever y'all mad about, look, I apologize for it. I don't even know what's going on, right? But I kind of knew what was going on. But anyway, it was like, we're tired of your mess. And uh, tonight, we're going to show you who's running this compound. So on and so forth, right? All that old kind of talk. So the the main officer, he was like, okay, uh, you want to play? So anyway, he got real close to me. He was so close to me that it's kind of like... He didn't spit on me, but I could feel the heat off his breath. You know what I'm saying? Oh, his breath wow. stink, too, by the way. You know what I mean? But I could feel the heat off his breath, you know, when he was talking to me. And he was basically trying to provoke me to do something, you know. And um, I stood there and I took it. I didn't do anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I, it was no win for me. Uh, these officers were uh, anywhere from 250 to 300, you know what I'm saying, pounds. They were, they, I, it was no win for me. So I accepted that. But what I did the next day, when I went to work, you know, I worked in the chapel at this time. When I went to work and I was up there with my supervisor, he had already heard about it. So at first I was reluctant to tell him what happened because, you know, people are labeling you a snitch, even when you're the victim. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So 
uh, he kept pushing me to talk about it, and I finally just told him what happened. And he was like, do you want me to get involved with it? And at first, I was like, no, nah, I'm straight. So I left the office and stuff like that. But what I didn't know is that he really didn't want my permission. He didn't need it anyway. He was just asking me that I want him to get involved to see where I was at. So anyway, when I left the office, he picked up the phone, called the warden, told the warden. The warden snapped, you know, got the officers down front, got him in trouble. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting in the office, and, and uh, my supervisor called me back over, and he said, look, I called the warden, I told the warden what happened, and those officers are on their way over here, right? I'm like, oh, here we go. You know, they came over, they apologized, and that was the end of it. The short, I guess, what I, how I would answer that for him, just to wrap it up real quick, is to say, look, depending on the situation, you may have to eat it. You just mm -hmm. might have to eat it. You know what I'm saying? It's, 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 you really have no win in here, but what I would do now is I would let my family know what was going on, and I would ask them to call the appropriate authorities, meaning the commissioner of the state, uh, the warden of the institution, uh, and sometimes you might just have to uh, get a lawyer involved in that, you know what I mean? Because really and truly it can escalate and you can end up really hurting here if you don't, you know, protect yourself. And like I said, the best way to protect yourself in here is like get your family involved. Um, and that's the best advice I can give you as far as that. Don't try to fight that battle in here. Don't do it. Uh, so, Anais, uh, on this next question, we're going to get my son, Boo. Uh, he's going to help me answer this question for you. So, let's get him on the line. This next email is from Rochelle in Tennessee. She listens to the show on Spotify. I recently found out that my fiance Chris has a life sentence and the earliest release date is 2072. Chris and I grew up together in Nashville. Our lives took different paths. I went to college and became a registered nurse and he and Chris turned towards the streets. He stayed in touch throughout the years. In 2015, he was arrested and charged with attempted murder. I was one of the first people he called from the jail. I was unable to help him with his bond, but I accepted his phone call. I was recently separated from my boyfriend, so I felt free to talk to him over the time. Over time, I started to have feelings, strong feelings for him. A year later, we got married while he was in, still in jail. After the wedding, we were allowed to spend 10 minutes together. When the guard turned his head, we ducked off into the restroom and quickly consummated our marriage. Well, a few days later, I was feeling sick and I was late. I took a pregnancy test and it was positive. Later, my doctor confirmed the results. Nine months later, we had a beautiful baby girl. From 2015 to now, our love for each other and our daughter has only gotten stronger. I truly love Chris and I know he loves me and our daughter. When he went up for parole in 2020, he was granted parole based on him completing the program. He completed the program and was given a release date of November 1st, 2021. I had a few months before he, would, before he would be coming home, so I started buying clothes for him. I was so excited. I felt like all the years of sacrifice and loyalty for each other and our family had been worth it. When November 1st came, I prepared to go pick him up. My daughter wanted to go with me, so I kept her out of school that morning. I waited for him to call, but the phone didn't ring. This was very unusual because he had never missed calling me unless the prison was on lockdown. Hours go by 
but I don't panic because I know that he will call as soon as he can because the lockdown won't stop him from, from getting out. At around 1 p.m., I get a call from his counselor. She tells me that she has bad news. She explained to me that before Limit is released, there is a final check of the system to ensure that everything is correct and that there are no pending charges or detainers or holds in other counties or states. She asked me if I knew about all the convictions Chris had. I told her yes. I knew he had an attempted murder charge. She said that's true, but he had also been tried and convicted of first-degree murder and that he had been sentenced to life in prison on that charge. I was so stunned, I didn't know what to say. I just stood there holding the phone. I looked over at our daughter and my heart broke for her because I know she loves her daddy. I told her, I told the counselor that this could not be true because I had a copy of his convictions. That's when she told me what had happened. She told me that the convictions had been, had not been entered on the computer because it had been entered on the prison because it, it hadn't been entered on the prison system. The parole board didn't realize that they had granted parole to someone that had been found guilty for murder and sentenced to a life sentence in prison. After I hung up, I sat down on the bed and cried. When my daughter heard me crying, she came into my room and asked me why I was, why I was crying. I sat her on the bed tried my best to explain to her why her daddy wasn't coming home today. I didn't give her all the details, but I told her that he wasn't coming home today. She cried and we hugged each other. As I sat there hugging our daughter, I thought about him and what he must be thinking and feeling. My heart is broken, but now is not the time to feel sorry for myself. Could you please, could you please give me some advice on how I can be there for him? That is a doozy. That's a doozy. I don't. I understand uh, where she's coming from with that that sudden realization, you know, of realizing or finding out that uh, he has that much time to go. Uh, but it's also baffling to me how all of this played out. I, I have heard of mistakes like that happening in the system. And people, you know, sentences, people's sentences not being recorded into the system and, and people actually getting out and then they tell them to report back to prison later. A lot of people in the public don't know these things happen, but they do happen. It's rare, but they do happen. And in this situation, you know, it's a whole lot of layers to peel back. Uh, and before I get to the final piece of uh, advice that I would like to give her, I'm going to ask you, what do you think about this, this situation? Oh, it's tough. It's tough because I feel like, you know, like it make me think about our relationship and me as a kid not having, you know, you around at a young age like that. And this 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 one cut kind of deep, you know, listening to it because they were expecting, you know what I'm saying? I think we kind of, me and my trees kind of understood the situation like it wasn't no expectation of you coming home at that age uh nobody never had us under the impression of thinking about that but growing up growing up of course i realized the effects of the impact 
on our lives with you not being there. So, listen to it. I can only imagine what the mother is thinking as far as raising raising the child, especially under these kind of circumstances, like the getting that the being married and then consummating the marriage in prison. Like she had very high expectations of having a family. And um yeah. so listening listen to this it's heartbreaking for one, I'll say that my heart goes out to everybody involved in this in this matter, but it's just like at this point you have to I mean it's still because of appeals and, and the system and stuff like that, it's still hope but at until that process takes place and you find out you have to prepare yourself to raise a child without the person that you were expecting to raise a child with. So I can only imagine, like, the thoughts she's having of wondering how she's going to do that, like, without him yeah. without him being there physically. And, uh, right. Or trying to do it through conversation and through visitation. And even that's hard because, you know, I love... You, you know, my dad, you my daddy. You know, I love you to death. I just... Now that I've I've actually been to prison, and I'm able to see the effect of not being there to raise my daughter, like what I was telling you this morning, you know, being able to give her advice and, and encourage her. Now that I'm here physically, it's different than talking to her on the phone when I didn't have the kind of bond I I know we would have had had I been home physically. So, and 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 you know, this is a touchy subject for me too because you know. I can tell she loved this man. She married this man. She had a child with this man, you know. And my situation was was different because, uh, like, I watched I watched my child grow up through pictures. And one of the main reasons my child mother chose not to bring you know my daughter to the prison was because she didn't want to be bring her into prison or well she said well to see me like that or you know whatever the situation may be. And there's a lot of kids who who get uh, somewhat of a father figure through going to visitation and talking on the phone and getting pictures and letters. And and I don't even know the words to say this, but that's like, I don't know, I just, you, you take what you... Do you think that's enough? No, it's not. It's not. It's not. But in that situation, like, you take what you can get. And to a certain extent, it's almost like, and I'm not saying this from, I'm, I'm trying to say it in the best way possible. You know, it's almost like that robs a child of having that actual father figure to a certain extent. You know, like with Samaria, since I've been out, like she had two or three incidents where she actually needed me there physically. Somebody either said something to her or it was a, a, an adult who I needed to come and speak to. Now, mama, like I need... You know, and in those situations when you're in prison, like if I had a situation, like I had to wait for you to call or I had to write, wait for a response from a letter or go to visitation and explain these situations. And then, you know, it's it's different having that person there physically. So, and, and, and I, you know, I, I, you know, I commend any father and any woman who allow, you know, who helps nurture those relationships to the best of their ability but it's just it's just tough not having it there you know having that person there physically yeah it's, it is tough and I, I I do absolutely relate to that but I'm more so from from his end of it 
and and and, and the, uh, dealing with you and Montreal under those circumstances, I do understand that that pain of not being able to be there in those times when I know that y'all needed me when you um, went to the hospital, right. you know, broke your arm and yeah. all of that kind of stuff and missing out on all of those things and, and having to do it through the phone, through visits, through letters. And it wasn't enough, but, you know, I was glad to get it, you know. Um, I, I do believe that that's important. So I think that that's one of the ways that, you know, she can be there for him, make sure as best she can to uh, not do anything to interfere with that bond that that can take place, that bonding between the daughter and, and the father. Uh, nurture that as best she can uh, in, in, a, in a healthy way. Right, I That's agree. important, you know, in a healthy way. You know, don't, don't get involved in the nonsense that can happen for whatever reason, but let that be healthy. And, but, you know, another thing that stands out to me, you know, while I was reading the email is that... Um, I kept wondering in my head, and I don't know why my brain went there. It's like, okay, uh, how could you not know, period, at all that this had happened? Because there's no way that he didn't know what had happened. Right. Even though it wasn't showing up on the computer, he knew that he had sat at the table, been to a trial, got found guilty for murder, and, you know, received a sentence. Even though it wasn't showing up on paperwork, he knew that he had physically gone through that. So uh, that's something else. I wish he would have addressed that uh, in, in the email uh, because that, to me, speaks to a whole other set of issues that... Uh, it does. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, it yeah. makes me wonder about, you know, decisions that people make. But again, nonetheless, what's done is done at this point. And uh, the best advice that I could give her is that... Be there, you know, and be honest. Be honest, all the way honest. And sometimes you might have to say some things that he's not gonna like, right. you know. And sometimes you might hear, have to hear some things that you're not gonna like. But keep it honest, because if you don't, uh, the, the psychological trauma that he's going to go through on this side of the fence, it can drive him insane. Right. And I've seen that, you know, and. But the, the, the most important thing for me would be making sure that the welfare of the child is intact and protect that, guard that, and make sure that the, the relationship between her and her dad is, is, is built on what's real. Uh, when she gets of age, if the appeal process doesn't get him out sooner, but when she gets of age, explain it to us. Is, and be delicate about it. Don't just lay it all out there because until she gets older, older, but... I would lay it all out there for her, but I would just be there for him, continue to accept his phone calls, continue to go see him, right. continue to be his wife as best you can under the circumstances, and hope that um, things get better for him. But I will say this, in Tennessee, because she said this was in Tennessee, in Tennessee they are in the process of changing that particular life sentence that to allow individuals that do have it to go off for parole after 25 years instead of 51 years. So it's not as bad as it looks, but it's still bad. But right. it's not as bad as it looks right now. So, you know, I, I hope that, you know, what we've said here can help her, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Would, and, 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 yeah. And, and another thing, like, another thing, like, sometimes, and then I, I, can, say, I can say this too, like, you did, you did very, 
I think you did good. I think Auntie and Uncle them, Uncle them did an even better job to uh, secure some kind of level of, you know, what I'm saying, help help our relationship. I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. At, I couldn't see it at the age, at that age. But over time, you know, what I'm saying, I could see where, you know, going to visit, getting letters, uh, talking to you on the phone. I could see how it did nurture. Uh, some form of a bond, uh, yeah, absolutely. And 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 even though, like like you said earlier, and both of us said earlier, you know, it's still it's still you still miss a lot. But I think it yeah. it means a lot to a child to know some part of they or they yeah. they father. You know what I'm saying? So and like you said, keeping it honest and keeping it keeping it real, uh, uh, most definitely helps too. Just Cause nobody's able to. I don't care what nobody say. I went ten years without seeing Samaria at all for whatever reason. But that didn't. I change once I came home. No matter, and I ain't saying that this was intentional. I don't know. I never. Nobody never told me. You know that it was intentional. I I had my own uh, thoughts and suspicions about certain things. But even though in those ten years. You couldn't remove who she is to me, and she was always seeking that part, that part of her, no matter what. So, with that being said, you know, being able to nurture some kind of level of a relationship, it's gonna help in the long run because Samaria was able to see later on in life. Now, I mean, I think she's able to see where that other half come from. I don't care who, what man stepped into my life or stepped into Samaria life, it didn't take away that she's pumping my DNA and I was pumping yours. Absolutely. So, yeah. um, and I think that's, that's very important to nurture because my, my character, my certain character traits, personality, hence sense of humor, uh, intelligence, all of that stuff comes from my bloodline. And when you help and nurture that through whatever it is, through phone, visit, letter whatever it helps it'll help that in some yeah, way yeah 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 I, I do believe Kevin I what you just said that once the child knows who the father is based on what the mother says now you know there's gonna be this seeking out you know this, especially if you're not there this curiosity of like who is he right. you know what I'm saying and, and what is he about yeah because and, 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 and like I say when, when the child is younger they may not realize what's going on, but when they get a little older, they want to know. Right. And they're going to find out one way or the other. You know what I'm saying? And because they want to know who you are. It happens all the time in adoption cases and, you know, things like that. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. And, and, it's, and it's no different here. Except the circumstances are different, absolutely. Right. But as far as that, that desire to want to know who your parents are, your biologicals, and not taking anything away from adopted parents because I love them. I think they're great. They're doing a great thing, you know what I'm saying? Giving kids home, that's a beautiful thing. But that desire for a child to want to know who their biological parents are, for better or for worse, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's there, and they're going to push, and they're going to want to find out. And, yeah. and I want to add this to it. Like, you know, a lot of people, they try to put this, what's the word I'm looking for? A stigma on, you know, people who are incarcerated. When you hear they locked up, yeah. they in prison, they in jail, 
they encountered, they incarcerated, whatever words you want to use, you automatically try to make this person like that. They just an animal or, you know, whatever the case may be. This person, Yeah, this person a monster, this person dangerous, this person is whatever you want to call it. And, and, and as if... You know, being behind that wall, I'm not still human. I, I'm not. You know what I'm saying? There's people who free just because you free don't mean you've been the best parent. You've been, you gave the best advice. You, you know what I'm saying? You've been the best. You gave the best guidance. You know, you probably just didn't get caught what you was and what you was doing to end yeah. up in prison and having the cow collect. You know what I'm saying? You know that's right. Yeah, you know, yeah. and they try to make it like, oh no, since you went and got caught, you're you're the worst. Now it's people yeah, out you're here. The worst, yeah. yeah, it's people out here who neglecting their kids uh, ten on ten times. They level ten times higher. You free in doing it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So exactly, exactly. You, you you making a choice to do it. When you're incarcerated. You made the choice to do whatever silly thing you did to end up in prison. But after that, your choice is taken away as far as being a father, right. parent. Right. But when you are a parent on the street with your kids every day, you have to make a conscious decision to not do what's in the best interest of that child. You right. see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a big, big difference. And a lot of people, they don't want to acknowledge that because I guess it makes them have to face that demon when they look in the mirror and know that they're not upholding the end of the bargain as far as being a parent, you know what I'm saying? The message of the child is foremost. Right. But, uh, yeah, yeah. And but I, I think that, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead, Finn. No, I think that a lot of the things that we went through in this situation that we had to go through, you know, me coming in here and not being there for you and my trees, you coming in here and missing out on those 10 years with my grandbabies and mom, but I think going through that has helped us to be able to understand on a deeper level. I know it has for me, and when I listen to you talking, I can tell it for you too. Right. On a deeper level, we're more in tune with our our, our emotions and how we feel, and, and we've got to that point where we can be a little bit more honest, you know what I'm saying, than people on the streets, because sometimes a trauma uh, forces you into a situation where you gotta be it's wrong with it, you know what I'm saying? Because you've, you've learned that over time it's the best thing. But what were you getting ready to say? I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh. I lost my train of thought. I was listening there. It was good. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I, I, know, I, know, I know what I was going to say. I know what I was going to say. And, I, and, I, and I'll say this out of respect uh, for this for this person that called in and asking for this advice. You know, the scriptures say, you know, faithful are the wounds of a friend, deceitful are the kisses of the enemy. And with that being said, you know, I'd rather tell somebody the blood, the, the blunt, honest truth so they can prepare yeah. themselves, whether, however it makes them feel. I speak, I say this from a place of love. When you said, you know, when you was talking about this person who she married and had this child with, he knew whether the system made a mistake or not. And with that being said, you know, you have to, you have to prepare yourself and understand that you don't know all of this person. And you have to be, and then you have to go into how to protect the child from those types of characteristics and personality traits because that's that was that was a form of manipulation and i've been i've yeah. been i've been locked up before and i know how the mind can start to work because you want what you want it's 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 sometimes it's not even just straight up pure evil or, or ill intentions it's just you try to either survive or get what it is you want and and that person you know it was wrong for that you know that's 
Yeah. It was yeah, deception. Yeah, it was a certain. It was a, it was it was a high level of deception, man, and knowing, making that choice, and and now that we are having this interview from this email based yeah. on him knowing some information. Uh, that he didn't disclose. That he didn't know? disclose. And I and I and yeah. I want to say that to the person. Is, I say that to say this, you know, and if you if this person decides to still stick by this person and ride it out, make sure, like my daddy was saying, man, it's a certain you have to be honest, you have to be real, that this person understands that you know we're gonna love each other and not we're gonna love each other not in a way to where we have to lie to each other to get whatever it is we need from each other. You know, give me the op- give me the option. For me to choose if I need to do this or I need to move this way, don't lie to me to to get to don't don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. That's right. That's what it is. You know, whether it's coming up from a place of fear or being a hit lonely, whatever, whatever your reason it is, you're right. Don't be selfish. You know, fight through that. You know what I mean? Other people are being affected now. Yeah. Well, I'm oh, let me thank you, man, for again as usual. You know what I'm saying for stepping in for me and helping me out with this uh, particular question and whatnot. Uh, I want to thank Rochelle for writing in, though, and asking this question. Right. And uh, anybody else out there, like I say, you know, if you got a question, hit us up. Don't tell me through the time with Joe T. Uh, at gmail.com. And we'll roll from there. But uh, I want to thank you again, Mo, for doing this. And uh, we'll keep it, keep it moving. All right. Uh, yeah, one more, not one more question, but we got one more comment that needs to be made. Uh, this is going to be a comment about uh, a conversation I had with my uncle, and we'll go from there. Okay, now this last part of the show is more of a comment, or, well, not a comment, but for your information type situation, and not a question. Uh, a week or so ago, I was in a conversation with my uncle John, and I call him uncle, by the way, and... <laughs> And we were talking about, I don't know how we ended up talking about insurance, but he gave me some very important information about insurance that I had no knowledge of, and I want him to share that with you. I think it's something that you need to know, especially as a family member of uh, somebody that's been convicted of a crime. And if you are the person that's been convicted of a crime, I think this is something that you need to know. So uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, tell people what you do, and then uh, go ahead and uh, tell them this information, that you, this vital information that you gave me. Okay. Uh, my name is John Baker, and I'm an insurance agent. I'm Joe's uncle. And we were in a conversation regarding uh, who could get covered for insurance. And I was telling him, in some cases, if you're convicted uh, of a crime, you are unable to get life insurance, depending on the severity of the crime or what type of crime it is. Now, now here's the question. that Explain to them what the difference between uh, life insurance and health insurance real quick. Okay. Uh, health insurance, of course, is uh, you going to the doctor or getting surgery, that, that type. Life insurance is for uh, burial or to provide funds for your family to replace your income. Should, right now, you know, should you okay. pass away? Okay, so anybody can get uh, health insurance, right? So we could get health insurance. A felon could get health insurance, right? Right. But under certain circumstances, we will we wouldn't be allowed to get life insurance. Uh, give me some examples of the type of convictions that would prohibit a person from getting life insurance. Uh, say a, a sex crime. Uh, 
a violent crime uh, like uh, murder, uh, probably most companies would not cover. Or anything Why is that? a company would view that you're a high risk of committing crimes or a high risk of getting killed. So, uh, okay, so is that, for example... Just like if you had a history of robbery, mm -hmm. uh, it would be unlikely that they would cover you. So even if you even if you had been out on parole for five years, hadn't reoffended anything like that, is it a time limit to that? Yeah, on, with some companies, if you're on parole, period, you, uh, regardless of what it is, you wouldn't be able to get covered. Period. Until you're on no parole. Yeah, if you're on it, you wouldn't be able to get covered. Okay, so that's the so once a person came off of parole or probation, then are you saying that they would be allowed to purchase? insurance it depends insurance. on what the crime is and that so, varies from company okay. to company but most of that I've dealt with you would not be able to get the coverage no matter what right oh, okay well okay then I appreciate you sharing that with us and whatnot and uh I think that's some very important information that uh I, I, I didn't know it until we talked about it a few weeks ago yeah uh, and I hope that that proves to be something that uh is beneficial to it's just another reason right there for me why you should avoid the criminal lifestyle, you know what I'm saying? Right, so but, if people you know, have, who have relatives in that situation, uh, they may, you know, set aside funds, you know, should someone yeah. pass away. Yeah, because it's still got to bury someone. Yeah, right. absolutely, absolutely. Okay, then. Well, I want to thank you for uh, joining the show. I want to thank our sure. listeners for tuning in. And if you have any questions or comments, uh, send them to doing time with Joe T at gmail dot com, uh, and I'll be glad to answer them. And Issa will be glad to answer them. And uh, any special guests, if you have any questions about anything and related to the criminal lifestyle, crime, prison, or anything that might be going on with your family member, feel free to uh, hit us up, and we'll be glad to answer that. And if you like the show, I like I always say when I'm wrapping up the show, if you like the show, share it with a friend on your social media. If you really like it, donate. I don't turn down any donations. Uh, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of Doing Time with Joe. Thank you for using GTL.